Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a very good evening and welcome to the first Friends of the Central Lecture of this academic year. My name is Roman Frick and I am the director of the Center for Philosophy of Natural and Social Science and I will be chairing the lecture tonight. It's really a great pleasure to welcome Dan Sperber here. He is very well known for his contributions not only to philosophy but also to linguistic, social and cognitive science, psychology and anthropology. He is a professor emeritus at CNRS, the French Centre National de Recherche Scientifique in Paris. He's a visiting professor at the Central European University in Budapest, a corresponding fellow of the British Academy. And last but not least, he has been a visiting professor here at the LSE for many years. Um, in 2009, he was also the first laureate of the Claus Lévi-Strauss Prize, and we are very pleased indeed to have you here tonight. Uh, before I hand over to Dan, I would like to make three announcements. Um, um, can you hear me, by the way? Yep, good. Okay, first I would like to draw your attention to the Friends of the Centre Association, which is also the organiser of this lecture. So the Friends Association is um, an attempt to um, bridge the gap between the research centre we have and the general public. So the idea is to make you part of what we do and communicate some of the work that is done in the centre and to, to show of the intellectual um, culture the centre stands for. So to this end, people who sign up to become friends of the centre get all kind of um, privileges. One of them is being invited to a drink reception with the speaker after these lectures. <laughs> so I would encourage you to visit the friends stand just outside the lecture when you leave. Second, I would like to thank Laura and Victoria who are doing a tremendous amount of work to make these lectures happen and without whom not. So thank you very much. They're running around organizing things, but yep, here is Laura. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> and thirdly, as you all know, we meant to welcome Evelyn Fox Keller here tonight, who had to cancel because of serious health problems. I'm pleased to report that she is on the road to recovery. She is um, getting better, and she promised to come sometime next year. And at that point, I would also really like to say thank you to Dan for um, stepping in so graciously and um, agreeing to give this lecture tonight. So thank you very much. It's really very much appreciated. And now, without further ado. <coughs> yeah, the song is OK. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and uh, I will talk about the topic uh, which has two sides, a positive side and a negative side. I've been arguing for a, a different way to approach social facts, uh, the ontology, that is, the answering the issue, what, are, what kind of facts are they, what are they made of, so to speak, uh, in a positive manner. I've been arguing for that for a long time. And I failed to attract as much as I, I possibly wrongly believe it should have, I should have, uh, failed to attract the attention of philosophers. So I decided to be a bit polemic 
in order to try to do that and, and, and target the polemics in particular at somebody who likes them very much and is also a friend, and that's John Searle. Uh, uh, so you get a, both a bit of a positive and a negative thing. But the reason why I think this uh, um, is an interesting issue is because I think uh, uh, both as participants in social life, as, as social agents, uh, and as social scientists, we, we tend to have very strange views of what social uh, phenomena are made of, views which are in fact totally implausible if you think about it seriously. So, uh, the title, my title, The Deconstruction of Social Unreality, is, uh, doesn't of course come from my having become a deconstructionist, uh, but it's a play on the title of a famous book by uh, John Searle. Um, and the, 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 I won't talk in great details about John Searle. I, I will target him in the sense that I think he has expressed quite clearly the, the main mistake, the main the fundamental, what I will describe as the fundamental error in, in, in social ontology. And the, the talk will be in two parts. I will first describe this error and try to explain, convince you that it is an error. Uh, and then I will uh, suggest a way to correct this, this error. So let's start with the fundamental error of social ontology. So, first, uh, social ontology is something that uh, we all have as a participant in social life. We have a way to describe social phenomena, institutions, rules, uh, uh, social uh, categories, uh, groups, uh, uh, predicates, and so on. Uh, and it doesn't, uh, as a participant in social life, we're not after uh, scientifically uh, uh, well-designed concept. We are after a concept that are serve us well, and they do, and I'm not proposing to change uh, the way we talk about social phenomena. But if you take a look at these, these uh, folk concepts from a scientific point of view, uh, uh, then you find some often some, some errors uh, in, in, in folk social ontology. So let me start for, with uh, a simple phenomena. So this is from my fieldwork in Ethiopia a long, long time ago. And you could describe what's happening in two different ways. Uh, you could uh, say, you know, I could say to you that the man on the left uh, uh, had just killed a, a lamb and took the entrails uh, uh, with him and brought them to the man on the right. And now we're both looking at it. And I've not, nothing in what I've just said is ontologically suspect. I mean, it's a kind of description of facts where, which uh, raises, I, I believe, no deep, pro deep problem. But of course, that's not how the, the people uh, themselves would describe it. They would say that the men on the left have sacrificed a lamb, uh, not the same thing as just killing, a very special kind of sacrifice the lamb, uh, and has uh, brought the entrails to the man on the right who is a diviner. Uh, in order to read uh, the entrails and find out why some misfortune has befallen uh, uh, on his family. Uh, and so when, uh, so, so this is the way uh, uh, these people would, would talk about it. Uh, uh, so we don't have to uh, uh, buy the notion that they, uh, uh, the man on the right is actually reading the entrails or that there's anything written there. We can put that in quotation mark, and, and that's okay. From their point of view, is reading the entries, but we don't have to, to take that point of view. Uh, um, but the, the, this is an ex exemplification of a fact that's quite common in social ontology. We have categories such as diviner, sacrifice, and so on, uh, uh, a type of social phenomena uh, which we, uh, we, we as participants, or they as, as participants in social life, see as have, uh, having causal powers which uh, are not exactly natural, which are, you know, non-natural or supernatural forces 
uh, are at play. You might say, well, they do that, but we don't. Well, t take a, a, a kind of, uh, 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 t take the case of a, of, a, of a wedding, an ordinary religious wedding, for instance. Uh, um, so so what, what's, happening, what's happening here is uh, 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 it's a sacrament, in, in according to, to, to the natives. Uh, uh, so, so, so through the, uh, uh, the mediation of, of the priest, uh, uh, their the marriage, their union is being blessed uh, by, by God, uh, and, uh, and a marriage is a kind of sacred link uh, in, in this manner. Again, this is attributing uh, to, to a social phenomena properties and powers uh, of a supernatural kind. Uh, uh, which, again, is quite common in, 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 uh, in folk social ontology all the time, but it's not that social. As participants in, in social life, we have to make such mistakes uh, uh, or, 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 or be so uh, uh, um, permissive in our, in our social ontology, and a lot of folk social ontology doesn't do that. So take this... Uh, uh, what, what's happening? Yes. Uh oh, a problem with. Yes, so the, the, the folk uh, social ontology mistake that I'm illustrating is attributing a causal role to supernatural forces. But we don't always uh, make, make that mistake. So here's another uh, ordinary uh, uh, wedding. The picture is not very good because they, they try to do that in private, but you may recognize the characters, and if you don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, but that's a civil, it's a civil wedding. Uh, uh, so there, there are no supernatural powers involved there at all. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's understood to be some kind of uh, uh, a contract. Uh, this is a civil officer performing the, 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 the marriage and so on. Uh, uh, or to take example where really social ontology doesn't and is not suspect at all of making this kind of mistake, we all understand that games uh, uh, are based on conventions and that you know a goal and the, and the various social titles or roles you can attribute to these players and to, 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 to the empire and all that are what they are in virtue of an agreement that uh, uh, they should be so. Uh, so. So the mistakes are not uh, systematic. So you might say folk ontology is kind of is a bit messy. Sometimes mistakes are made by attributing causal powers to to supernatural forces, but it needn't be the case in, 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 even in folk social ontology, and of course in scholarly uh, 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 social ontology we don't make it. But I want to suggest that there's a more fundamental mistake that is made both by folk ontology uh, and by scholarly uh, ontology, and in a sense is as bad, uh, or possibly even worse because it's stealthy, uh, than the mistake of attributing causal powers to supernatural forces. And this is attributing, the mistake is to attribute a causal role to mere Cambridge properties. Uh, now, philosophers among you are familiar with mere Cambridge properties, others are not. So, so, so we, we, um, in discussing what, what a, a change is uh, in Cambridge at, uh, about a century ago, people like Mike Taggart, Russell, uh, uh, toyed with the idea that a change is when you, know, you have a property that's instantiated by something at, at the time t and it's not instantiated at the time t plus one or is not instantiated, instantiated at t and, and is at t plus one. So there's a change of property uh, uh, and that, that, that there's a property that's acquired or lost and that, that's what the change is. And, and, and Peter Gitch much later made fun of this by, by giving very simple examples of how this would count as change, changes a lot of things that you know, are changes only in a very spurious kind of manner. So for instance, at the very moment, this moment, this very second, uh, somewhere in Sydney, Australia, 
uh, there's a Mr. Jones who's alive and is, is crossing the street. And now he's been banged by, by, by a car and he's dead. So just while I was speaking, uh, poor Mr. Jones uh, has moved from life to, 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 to death. And this is something you know, clearly of some importance that happened to him. But it's also, uh, you might say, it is a change that happened to us because we've all become John, Jones survivors. Right? So that we have acquired, all acquired a new property. So we've changed. Right? We've changed it just a, f uh, a few seconds ago. And in fact, if you think of a number of people who are dying every uh, uh, fraction of a second in the world, we're changing all the time, becoming so-and-so survivor continuously, one after the other. And we're also becoming contemporaries of all the children who are being born. So then we undergo a you know, vast array of such changes. And of course we want to say, oh, rubbish, I mean, these are non serious change. We're not change that we want to pay any attention. We're not real change. Nothing has happened to us uh, uh, at the very instant uh, uh, where, where Mr. Jones uh, was hit by a car uh, in Sydney, Australia. But now take the case uh, 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 so, you know, be, becoming Jones survivor is uh, just a Cambridge change or a mere Cambridge change. It's not a, 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 not, not a bona fide change. And the property of being a Jones survivor is what is described in, the, in this discussion as a Cambridge or a mere Cambridge property. Let's take the case of Liza. So Liza, in fact, has also changed as a result of uh, Mr. Jones' untimely death. She's become his widow. Her wi yeah, his widow. Uh, uh, because she happened to have been married to him. She is, she is somewhere in London, too, uh, like, like we are. So, so, but she became a widow faster than speed of light, at the very instant uh, uh, where, where Mr. Jones uh, was killed. She, she became uh, uh, his widow. If he, in fact, he, had, he was a, a bigamist and had two wives, one in, uh, uh, in Australia and one in London, uh, they became widows simultaneously, which is very weird. I mean, you know faster than speed of light. Uh, um, so that tells us there's something you know, puzzling. But on the other hand, you know, as social scientists, we know that you know, widowhood is, you know, and being a widow is a very serious social predicate. It's a status. It, it makes a big change for either to become a, uh, a Jones's wi widow, to become a widow. Uh, 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 it's, it's a real social predicate. But, it's, uh, 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 but at the same time, it's a mere Cambridge property. So we, we have a problem there. We have a problem there. So, so is become, becoming a widow Cambridge change? Yes. I mean, it's got to be. It's not different from becoming a drone survivor, and, and therefore widowhood should be seen as a mere Cambridge property. Well, you might say, yeah, but it's different because Liza was married uh, uh, to, 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 to Jones. I don't know how this would kind of protect you from uh, the, the, the point that it's still a mere Cambridge change, you know, faster than speed of light and all that. Uh, but let's even investigate this other property of being married. So, you know, what kind of uh, property uh, is being a spouse? I mean, is that a good uh, uh, property and not, not, not a mere Cambridge property, a property that is causally potent, that, you know, plays a role in, in, in causal phenomena? Uh, you know, what kind of an event is a marriage for, for, for that matter? Uh, uh, uh. So, do declarations, and now we're coming to certain ideas. So, one classic idea about the marriage is a declaration. There's a declaration by, by the priest or by, 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 by the mayor or whatever, whoever is entitled to make such a declaration who says that uh, uh, Peter and Liza are now husband and wife or something, something to that effect. And that says Searle and says 
one way or another, most people, uh, uh, in, in, in both uh, in, in the social sciences, create, makes it the case uh, that from then on they are married. Again, from, from, from a native point of view, yes, it makes it the case that they're married. The proper authority says that they are married. And from a social science point of view, also it makes it the case that they're married. From then on, uh, they have acquired a new property, which is seen as a causally potent property, and a causally important property. Uh, and the whole thing is described uh, as an institutional fact, uh, in certain and more, more generally. Uh, but, but, but how, you know, how can that be the case? I mean, how being uh, uh, declared to be something can make it the case that you are that thing? Well, uh, uh, you know, would such a creation be more than a mere Cambridge change? So, so the answer that seems to be obvious to, to a lot of people is, is, is yes. And here's you know, the way Searle himself formulates it. So one of the strangest and most striking features of institutional facts is that there is nothing institutional there to the institutional fact prior to its creation. Uh, uh, indeed, it's strange and striking. But, uh, and since its creation is really just words, 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 we have to ask, how do we manage to get away with it? We have to ask that. Uh, and the answer is, well, we get away with it to the extent that we can get other people to accept it, as long as there is collective recognition or acceptance of institutional fact, they will work. Uh, and so that's, a, you know, uh, as I said, a common view, both in, in social ontology, in philosophy, and in the social sciences. Uh, um, but, but I find, it, you know, if you how does that really answer, solve our problem? Let's ask some questions. So if the work is done by the recognition of institutional fact, you know, that's what makes, makes a change. What extra work is done by the fact itself? I mean, if what, as all, we all know that when people have been declared married, lots of things follow. I'm not trying to deny the obvious. Of course not. Uh, uh, but does something follow from their being married over and above uh, the fact, uh, above what follows from the fact that they have been declared married in proper uh, in, in certain kind of circumstances. There's, there's a kind of social event that we can describe in full details uh, 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 about the interaction between the civil officer, the, the people, uh, the law. And, uh, so we can describe the event in great detail without ever adding, and now this is a marriage. Of course, we can say that, we can add this if we want, but what does it, how does it help us explain or describe anything? Hasn't all the, uh, the, the causal explanatory work been done by the description of the uh, events uh, uh, that uh, um, we seem to what summarize by saying they are married? No, well, we do more than summarize. We, what, what we do is assume that a new kind of fact, I mean, again to quote Searle, has, has been created. Has been created in, you know, created in what sense? Has, been, has it been caused, has it been constituted by uh, the, the declaration? So, so what, you know, what if the work is done again by the recognition of institutional fact, what work is done by the fact itself? Why assume that there is such a fact? Again, as you know, as, as social agents, there's no problem. Of course, we can assume that there are such a thing as marriage and so on and so on. But when you're trying to do things more scientifically, uh, you don't want to have to recognize types of facts that, in fact, play no causal role or, or, or are not useful for your causal explanation, at least. Or are, so, so, so in what sense, when you're what, you know, is there such a further fact of you know, uh, uh, Peter and Liza being married 
Uh, 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 and, assume, so, you know, and if you assume there is, I mean, if, if you want to, if you ask the question, is there such a fact, whose job is it to establish that there is such a fact? And it's not obvious that there is such an extra fact in the world, you know, over and above again, all the interaction that took place. If there's an extra fact of, of marriage. And if you want to argue that there is, well, isn't it your job then to, 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 give, to give argument? Isn't the onus of proof on you? And what would constitute a good argument for that? You know, how would you go about arguing for it? The fact is, it's not being argued. It's just taken for granted. It's taken as an obvious fact that there is such a fact, and then you get a kind of certain explanation of how it comes about. But it's miraculous, the certain ex explanation. There is no, I mean, if you, it shouldn't satisfy you. And thinking of it, you know, once you realize that assuming that there is such a fact isn't uh, so straightforward that you should pose and think about it and ask yourself, does it do any work for me? Do I have any reason to say that there is such a fact? What kind of a fact is, is it? Then you want to ref, you know, think about the, 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 the very idioms we use. So we, when we talk about the recognition of institutional fact, recognition is, a, is typically understood as effective. That is, as what you recognize is the case. Uh, 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 at least in, in a common understanding, of, but you know, maybe we shouldn't say you know, that it's not that the institutional fact is recognized. It's just believed to, to have to, to be there, or it's deemed to be there. So there's a lot of deeming going on. Uh, recognition, in the strong sense, where it implies that what is recognized is the case. I, d I doubt that there is any such recognition, and, and in any case, we shouldn't take it for granted. So. In fact, you might say, well, what we do uh, when we assume that there is a marriage once it's recognized by the people that there is such a thing is give a kind of analysis of what the people think of the folk notion. So we do, do a scholarly analysis of a folk notion. But I don't think that's, that is plausible because you know, the common folk view is that institutional facts are such independently of the recognition. Uh, so, so, so it's quite possible from a folk point of view to have two people who are recognized or deemed or believed to be married and in fact they're not. They went through the ceremony but the person who performed the ceremony in fact didn't have the authority to do it, uh, to, to perform it. So their marriage is not valid, they're not married. Uh, uh, if it were just a man, but, but nobody knows it and nobody will ever know it. And so, so but, but in terms, in fact, of the social events, everything functions as if they were married. But by social, by the folk, uh, uh, understanding of marriage, they're not married. Uh, uh, conversely, you could have two people uh, who are properly married according to, to, to the folk, but then what happened, there was some kind of terrible explosion. All the, the witnesses died, the papers were burnt, uh, and they became amnesic. So there is no recognition on any part of the fact that they've been married. But by folk reckoning they are married, it's just that they don't know it. So, so it's, uh, to say that to be married is to be recognized by the relevant parties to be married is not an analysis of a folk notion. That's not what uh, uh, social actors mean when they say that two people are married. Uh, um, so a com common social scientific claim is that what we mean by this being a given kind of institutional fact is that it's recognized as such by the relevant people, but this common social scientific claim is false. That, that's not... Uh, it's not a proper analysis uh, of a folk notion. Uh, uh, and to, to, to highlight what is at stake here, look, there's a kind of, of linguistic uh, sleight of hand which takes place. So t t take 
uh, a sentence like the officers has declared Bill and Susan married, uh, of course you, it, it's uh, synonymous with a passive form, you know, Bill and Susan have been declared married by the officer. Uh, uh, uh. But the difference is that the officer has in fact, there's some real event uh, of the officer declaring Bill and Susan married. The officer did something. It's, a, it's something that we can describe. It's an act. It has causal power. It, it, uh, uh, Bill and Susan having been declared married uh, is it, the same thing, but it's not, something, it's not something that happens to Bill and Susan. No more than my being believed by somebody in the room to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Romanian is a, a property of mine. It's a property of a believer. Uh, to, of mine, it's only a, a mere Cambridge property. So, so nothing uh, uh, is modified. Uh, no causally relevant property is acquired by Bill and Susan when they've been declared married. Uh, uh, whereas the officer declaring that they're married, that's a real event which has a lot of causal effects, of course, including causal effects on Bill and Susan. But again, the causal effects are carried by the declaration, not by their having been declared. Nothing is called by their being declared. Or, to take a, an example which is discussed very commonly in social ontology, the example of money. People recognize this piece of paper as money. So, by Serlin and all, many other accounts, that makes it money, if, if the right people so recognize it. And indeed, people recognizing is some real mental state that does have causal powers. I'm not denying that. But does it make anything of the money itself, of a piece of paper? You know, it's synonymous with this piece of paper as, you know, is recognized by people as money. But now again, no added property of any causal significance is uh, accrues to the, to the piece of paper when you turn to the passive. So, so, so there is a, a systematic kind of um, uh, sleight of hand in, uh, again, uh, taking uh, the object of declarations, the object of belief, to thereby acquire uh, uh, some kind of causally relevant uh, pro property. So, uh, so how sense, you know, sensible then is this social scientific claim? Being recognized, deemed, appointed, declared, etc., to be something is just having or acquiring a Cambridge property, full stop. Uh, uh, and the social scientific way of explaining the causal powers of institutional facts amount to attributing to these Cambridge uh, properties, the causal powers, the causal powers that they cannot have, but the causal powers of the verbal and mental events, which have causal powers, uh, that attribute to them this property. So, so the, these events, the events of declaration, the events of belief, and so have causal powers. They make a difference in the world. They are the real stuff. The, 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 the content of, of, of the, these uh, beliefs and, and the Cambridge properties acquired by the, the, the piece of paper of the people who are believed to be something, uh, uh, plays no causal role in the story. So rather than trying to borrow and adapt folk sociological concepts uh, to serve in the language of the social sciences, first I think one should study them as they are in the language of the people. And are, you know, the, the folk ontology is something to be studied, something important. We want to understand it, we want to describe it. Again, in fact, it's just a, you know, a, a large part of the activity of anthropologists and, and of the social scientists. But we also have to develop a scientific ontology in a principled manner. We can't just either borrow the folk ontology or kind, kind, kind of make it scholarly by, 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 by the maneuver of saying, ah, if it's recognized by the folk, therefore it is this or that. That is just deeply flawed. This flaw actually is not, uh, you, you find it in, in, in various forms throughout the social sciences. Uh, uh, 
including uh, in, in programs that, that uh, for instance, aim at uh, developing a, a naturalistic understanding of the social. Uh, uh, for instance, there's programs that are inspired uh, by, by a biological approach, and which I find full of very interesting stuff, but they typically buy the social, the, the, you know, the social standard social science ontology and assume that they have to explain things like marriage, uh, 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 various institutions, roles, and so on and so on, uh, uh, as described in the social sciences without seeing that if you give natural causes for objects which, uh, of which you don't have a natural understanding, there's something missing in your naturalistic account of the social. So, Having uh, tried to, to, to characterize the, the fundamental flow uh, uh, in, in social ontology, let me suggest uh, how it should be uh, corrected. So, the, the assumption, you know, you can, you, it's fairly easy to sort two so kinds of social facts, uh, uh, which Searle describes uh, 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 in terms of brute facts opposed to, to, to institutional social facts. Brute social facts and institutional. So he is talking about institutional social facts, and it's not that it's in brute social social facts. But there, of course, there are. So if you compare a stampede and marching, a stampede is something uh, that occurs whether it's recognized as such, whether people have the notion of a stampede. In fact, it occurs in other animal species that are, don't have a problem of recognizing and not recognizing. It's it's a brute social fact. I mean, it's a clearly a social. A marching is a marching only because it's so recognized. It's not very, not very likely to, to occur without being recognized and institutionalized, but even if you had accidentally people walking in such a manner that it might count as a marching, it wouldn't be a marching if it were not recognized and, in fact, uh, made on purpose as such. Or uh, if you compare, compare mating and marrying, there are two kinds of social interactions. Uh, uh, I thought it would be better to, 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 to give mating a picture of animal mating for, for decency reasons, and also because mating is something you, you can do without having a, 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 a social ontology, uh, 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 but you can't do marrying without having, uh, indeed, uh, without representing the thing as such. So it's an institutional phenomenon. A rumor, again, is another brute social fact. Uh, uh, people say something to other people who say it again and so on and so on. It circulates. Uh, people may not even be aware of the fact that there is a rumor circulating, uh, 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 let alone do, you know, uh, be engaged in to produce a, a rumor as a rumor, as opposed to a verdict, uh, uh, which clearly is an institutional fact. So do we really have these two kinds of social phenomena, which, again, if you want to say that they are, it's fairly easy to know wh where you would classify what. Uh, 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 I, I've tried over the years to develop uh, an integrated approach, which, uh, rather than having this dichotomy of facts, try to explain all these uh, pheno social phenomena in an integrated manner. I've developed that in a book, Explaining Culture, and there are ma many more recent papers that you can find on my website if you want greater detail than I will be able to give tonight. So, the epidemiological approach in the social science will briefly outline sort of a few basic concepts which are crucial to, uh, to the ontological issue that we're discussing tonight. So, social phenomena, I argue, are wholly made of causal chains that link, link uh, uh, two kinds of events. Some events which take place inside individual, in fact, inside the central nervous system, or if you prefer, inside the mind, uh, uh, and events that take place in the common environment of, of individual, uh, like, for instance, um, the, uh, the sounds I'm producing in our shared environment at this very minute. 
So many of the relevant events taking place inside individuals are wholly, in fact, at an in infra-individual at a sub-personal level rather than a personal level. I say that en passant because there is a, 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 a old tradition known as methodological individualism which might agree with me uh, uh, with the first claim I, I, I'm making and would agree to try to reconceptualize the social, social in terms of uh, events taking place inside people and in their interaction, but the events that they would typically consider taking place inside people are the intentions that people have, uh, choice and decisions that, that they make that is typically personal uh, kind of events and the resulting actions which are inspired by these decisions. Uh, and uh, I don't think that this would do, but I will leave this is issue aside for the time being. And the epidemiological approach uh, that I've tried to develop calls for a reconceptualization of the social domain rather for a reduction of existing social science concepts. So, so the idea is reconceptualize the domain in terms of these causal chains of events uh, which are mind internal and mind external, envi environmental and mental in an alternative manner, in an alternate manner. And to do that, I start from a notion. Uh, which to begin with is, is about mental phenomena and, and about psychology, a way of rethinking or reconception of reframing, rather, not, not rethinking, uh, uh, what has been described as the cognitive revolution. Uh, uh, the, 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 the cognitive revolution, and I think the, the, the expression is, is, is justified, has been uh, uh, the development of a research program uh, where relationships of content, of, uh, of, of meaning, uh, 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 which are formal relationships, uh, 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 their the, the occurrence in the world, they're being talked in the world, is explained in terms of causal mechanisms. So you, what you do is show that there are causal mechanisms which has, have as a function, in the biological, sen biological sense of a function, to in fact uh, uh, realize uh, uh, content relationship. Uh, uh, and the, these causal links, which uh, are cognitive causal links, uh, uh, establish this content relationship. And when they are chained, uh, you get this causal chain of such kind of uh, causal, cognitive causal links. So let me just very, very in an extremely simplified manner, if you think just of simple processes such as perception, you have an amusing square boxes for things which are in the environment and round boxes for things which are inside the, the, the mind-brain, uh, a stimulus has a causal, and that's the sense of this arrow, a causal effect on what's happening inside the, 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 the mind of an individual, in fact causes a certain kind of mental representation, uh, an identification of the stimulus, uh, uh, which if uh, 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 it, it works well, if the function is well fulfilled, this identification is true of a very stimulus that causes it. So the relationship of being true of is a formal uh, content relationship, a semantic relationship, call it the way you want, uh, which is delivered in a reliable manner by percept per per perception processes. Uh, motor control pro processes uh, go from um, mind to, to, to the environment, so uh, an, an individual has some kind of intention, uh, a mental state, a representation of a certain state of affair, which causes her to move in a certain way, to control a body in a certain way, which bring about in the environment a state of affair, which again, if a function has been fulfilled, satisfies the intention. Again, the relation of satisfaction is a formal uh, content or semantic relationship that is uh, uh, delivered by this causal process. Uh, uh, 
inference goes both perception and motor control had to do with uh, either going from the environment to the mind or from the mind to the environment. You have internal process, process which are all internal to the mind, like inference, so you have, say, two beliefs which act like premises in uh, causing uh, uh, the, the formation of a, of a further belief, which, uh, uh, if the process functions uh, well, uh, is warranted by, and that again is a semantic relationship or content relationship by the initial premises. Uh, uh, in a rem remembering you form some belief of a, of, of, of a past e e event uh, now you, re you form you, you use whatever trace there was of that to form a, uh, an updated belief which uh, if me memory works well resembles uh, in the relevant respect uh, the initial uh, mental representation you are. again resemblance a resemblance of contents a formal relationship which is delivered uh, by, by, by a, a typical causal process. So, so typically psychologists, uh, uh, cognitive psychologists work uh, on one of these processes, specialists of inference, specialists of perception, specialists of remembering, and even of, of more specific you know, forms of remembering or spe more specific form of inference. But our mental life is not made, it's not that one point, sometimes we remember and sometimes we infer. We do all these things in a closely, causally linked ma manner. And our mental processes are links, uh, are chains of, of, of these causal links. Uh, so so, so you, 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 know, you may come to, to form a certain belief about an event that you didn't uh, see, uh, but you saw some effect of that event and you remembered some uh, further factors uh, 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 which caused you to form a belief that's true of that event. So to give an example, you, you, you saw the, the pavement being wet, but it was not raining. Uh, uh, you remember that uh, on every Monday they wash the street, and you form the belief that the pavement is wet because they wash the street, an event that you didn't see and about which you formed for a mixture of inference, memory, and, and, and perception, a, 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 true, a true belief. Now, if you think of cognitive causal change in, in this manner uh, as uh, a change of causal processes, uh, that, that, that have the function of establishing content relationship between uh, uh, states of affair in the world and mental representation and among mental representations, uh, uh, they can be seen, as I did so far, as a, a way of representing what's happening in the mind and in the interaction between an individual and her env immediate environment. But of course the definition is such that there's no reason at all to limit these cognitive causal chains to what happens inside an individual. They, they can extend across individual uh, exactly under the same uh, de definition. So I want to define social cognitive causal chains as, or social CCCs as cognitive causal chains that establish content relationship across individuals through changes in their common environment. Uh, uh, so communication is exactly a, a, a cognitive causal chain. Uh, the speaker, and I'm using different color for different individual, blue has some kind of communicative intention, some content she wants to transmit to yellow. She produces, uh, as I'm doing now, some sound in the environment, an utterance, which is interpreted by yellow in a certain manner. And if communication has been effective, interpretation resembles well enough uh, the, the, the communicative intention, and, and that's uh, a social uh, 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 cognitive causal chain across uh, one which works across individuals. Uh, 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 if, if you think of testimony, it's a process where, say, yellow has been witness of some kind of state of affair and that, uh, uh, about which Green had no uh, direct information, but by producing a testimony, uh, yellow causes in uh, Green a belief that's true of a state of affair that has, uh, that has caused uh, yellow's initial beliefs. Uh, uh, through testimony, uh, Green acquires a belief 
uh, uh, about the state of affairs. Uh, this, again, is, is a, a trivial use of, 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 of communication uh, and f falls squarely under the definition of cognitive causal chain, except it's social, just as does the common situation where we have some kind of intention, like Ping has in this case, but that we're not uh, able to realize on our own, and for this we have to recruit another individual, like Ping recruits Blue by making requests, uh, which causes the person uh, whom we have requested to, in fact, uh, uh, satisfy, to, to, to modify the environment in a way that satisfies the, the, the intention. Uh, and again, the, the same situation we had before of forming beliefs uh, through a, a number of processes can be in, not just inside an individual but in, in, among several. So one person may have seen that the pavement is wet, another person may remember that on Mondays they watch the street, a third person can uh, make the point that therefore that's, this is why the pavement is wet, pro pro producing a, 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 a belief that's true of the event uh, in, in this co cooperative manner. So, so, in these social cognitive causal chains, uh, uh, we're talking about you know, co uh, so social phenomena, but which are wholly made of things of which we have a good naturalistic understanding. Uh, uh, in a social CCC, uh, causes and effects are alternative mental and public. Uh, there are mental uh, events, uh, which are mental productions, in particular mental presentations, mental processes that cognitive science studies and explain more and b better and better in a naturalistic manner. Uh, uh, the public causes that are involved, are, are, uh, or environmental causes, if you prefer, are public production, things that occur in the environment, uh, actions and results of actions of individual uh, behaviors and outcomes of behavior uh, that can be perceived by others and therefore carry on the, ch the chain from one mind to another. Uh, so if you look at the ontology of this causal link, what are they made of? Uh, mental links are described in terms of a naturalized psychology, so we have a naturalized, or we are developing a naturalistic understanding of these mental links. The public links are described in all, they can be described in ordering material terms uh, and drawing on the appropriate natural sciences when relevant. So, for instance, if you study speech, you can just describe speech in ordinary terms, or you can go into uh, phonetics, acoustics, with a degree of precision that's re relevant to whatever you, you, you want to explain. So these uh, uh, social cognitive causal chains uh, uh, form a mesh, that is any kind of social interaction, any, or for that matter, any kind of mental uh, event of, in a human being with, immersed in the social network, uh, always belong to a variety of, uh, of social cognitive causal chains. It's, it's, so each particular social interaction is at the crossing point of, of many such things. So, so they crisscross one another, and in particular many links in short local interactions, lo local, social, cognitive causal chains that also belong to spread out long, uh, spread out over, over generations, over centuries, over, over countries, uh, uh, cognitive causal chains. L let me give you a very, very simple example. So John sneezes, uh, 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 and uh, 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 this causes uh, uh, in, in Mary uh, the uh, intention to do the right thing. I said, bless you, and, and, and she says, bless you. So a very small interaction that uh, very fluid takes place while we're doing other things and so on, very, very ordinary. But for this to be possible at all, for this interaction to take place, the, 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 the very idea of you know, saying bless you to somebody who sneezes uh, has to be part of an extended uh, 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 cognitive causal chain that, that has transmitted this practice uh, over, in fact, centuries. Uh, 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 where it, it is, in fact, it's a quasi-universal that you bless people who sneeze. Uh, uh, um, 
And so in Blessing John, Mary is both reacting to, 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 to John's sneezing and reproducing or producing a new uh, item of something that she'd heard other people tell her when they bless her when she sneezes, and she's seen other people do it to third party and she did it before and so on. And, and why does the, the chain go, go, go on and on and on? Why does it keep going? Because of each of these micro-events. There is no... Uh, 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 formal teaching that you should say bless you to people who sneeze. Each time uh, uh, somebody blesses somebody who sneezes, this increases uh, the probability that this will happen again. And, it's, uh, and the probability is, is, is kept high enough so that the practice goes on and on and on and on. Uh, if you think of it, even when you know, using the word bless, using the word, the word you, uh, which uh, are, are part of the, you know, using any word of the English language or any other language, uh, uh, both is part of a local interaction, a, a local cognitive, social cognitive causal chain, and also of a very long one, which stabilizes the world with its meaning uh, uh, in a population without which it couldn't be done, without which it couldn't be understood if the world hadn't been stabilized. So each time we use a word with a given meaning, we contribute to that word uh, remaining part of the language with that meaning. Or if we use it with a somewhat transformed meaning, we contribute possibly to the, the word changing its meaning. Uh, o over time. So these long chains that stabilizes practices like, 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 like saying bless you somebody who sneezes, uh, 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 of, of using certain words with certain meanings, uh, uh, certain representations, certain beliefs, uh, stabilize also certain artifacts uh, which are produced again and again. The uh, social uh, CCCs that stabilize content across the population uh, are, are a special kind of, of cognitive causal chain which I want to call CCCCs or cultural cognitive causal chains. They play a, a crucial role in human social life. Uh, um, and an example that some of you, um, I apologize, I've seen too many times because I've been using this transparencies too, too often. But it, it serves my purpose, so I keep using it. Think of a, you know, a, a folktale, like Little Red Riding Hood. So it's, you, know, it's, you, you can zoom in and out about it. You could zoom out and you're talking about a, a, pheno a phenomena that exists over population in Europe, and in fact, across the world for centuries, and that until uh, 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 not so long ago was transmitted only in an oral manner. So it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon of oral transmission. So you can, if you, so, so you can look at the historical uh, scale, or you can uh, uh, focus on, on a fragment of, of, of this scale, a fragment of this extended uh, 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 cultural ca causal chain, and look at what happens between again the individuals in, you know, and the events. So, so what, how does it? How does the, 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 the tale uh, go, go on? Keep keep being transmitted. Well, you get people who hear it. They, they hear it several times. They form some mental representation of it. Some of the people who uh, mentally represented and remembered it become tellers of a tale in turn uh, with very little modification of the version every time. It's not told with the same words, but the same story. The, the, the modifications seem to cancel one another out more or less. And it goes on uh, with some people not telling it again, people telling it differently, people remembering, misremembering, but still it, ke it keeps uh, going. And, and just as you, you could focus on a fragment of a tale, you can focus on, focus on what's happening in the head of one individual who contributes to, to spreading the tales in the head of blue, and blue heard the story, the story say, from, 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 from pink and, and, and green. Uh, and if you, you could zoom in and go into, into her mind. And so she had, in fact, two uh, narratives which were not exactly identical, but she wasn't even, even aware that she synthesized an instinct cognitive uh, process. And at some point, she's motivated to, ref 
to, to tell the tale, therefore she reformulates it because she didn't remember the words, she remembered the story, and produced a narrative in turn. And of course, if, if you were a cognitive psychologist, this may be too much mental detail for a social scientist, but for, for a psychologist it's laughable because you want to go in much greater details and mechanisms which are involved. But again, the, 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 the cognitive causal chains can be looked at at different scales. So this, I, I'm talking about a folk tale that, like Little Red Riding Hood, that is spread because sometimes, often enough, people have wanted to, to, to tell it, and when they tell it, they tell it with enough fidelity uh, 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 so that it keeps uh, uh, go, go, go going on and on. Let me so we're dealing with a non-institutional fact. It's a bit like the rumors I was talking, talking about before. But what would it take to make it into an institutional fact? Not much. I mean, there are some institutional stories, the kind of stories that are told, say, as part of a, a teaching program. Imagine a, folk, you know, a Christmas tale and such that there is a kind of rule that you have to tell it on Christmas Eve. So now you're dealing with a kind of small institution. This tale is an institutional tale. So what does it take? Uh, uh, it takes a rule, a rule which says, you know, this tale has to be, it's a Christmas tale, it's got to be told uh, uh, you know, on, on Christmas Eve. And the rule doesn't, you know, over about, uh, above in the air, well, how does it get causal efficacy? Because it's in the mind of Blue, of course. Where, where else could it be? Where else? And how did the rule get there? How did, you know, why, why do people, well, exactly the way very similar in which the, 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 the tale got there. So, so, you know, Blue heard the rule, the statement of the rule, observed, uh, you know, it was commented upon that this uh, uh, t t tale has to be told uh, on, on Christmas Eve. And in turn, Blue can, 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 can uh, contribute to spreading the rule, uh, saying herself that, you know, this tale, you know, I'm going to tell you this, this tale, it's a tale that should be uh, told on Christmas Eve and so on. So what you get, you get, you know, a, a, a cultural causal chain spreading the rule just as you get a, a, a cultural causal chain uh, spreading the narrative, spreading the tale. Uh, and the two are causally linked. Uh, the, the spreading of the, uh, the rule, the rule is about how the tale should be spread. And I want to generalize from that and characterize institutional phenomena in those terms. An institution, uh, I want to argue, is characterized by a complex pattern of distribution of cultural items where some higher level representations are about the way lower level representations uh, or practices or artifacts. I mean, it doesn't have to be tales. It can be, uh, you know, how, you, how, you, how you, you, you distribute a certain kind of food or how you engage in certain kind of action and so on, uh, are to be distributed. And where the, uh, the distribution of a higher level representation, the rule, if you want, uh, uh, or this is a bit simplified, uh, uh, plays a causal role in the distribution of a lower level representation or practices of artifacts. When you have this, you have an institutional phenomena. So the one I'm envisaging is just a two-level uh, kind of phenomena. But of course, it can be much more complex because there can be rules about who is allowed to distribute, uh, uh, to tell the tale, or with, uh, or, or, and so on and so on, and, and who, who, who appoints the people allowed to tell the tale. And, and so you, you can get all levels of complexity and which, in which not just people can be involved in tales, but also artifacts, lecture rooms, churches, institutions uh, play a causal role uh, in this kind of context. And the way they, are, they play a causal role is indeed governed by rules which are so distributed. So if you just think of, of again, in a very simplified man, ma ma manner, think of marriage rules, each time uh, 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 two people are being married, are Bill and Sue, uh, uh, you, you, you have a, a fairly complex event that takes place according to 
uh, rules which are themselves transmitted and, and exemplified by previous marriages and so on, and, and so on which in turn determine uh, the distribution of a lot of representations uh, you know, that they are married, they think themselves, you know, he, she thinks I'm his wife, uh, uh, he thinks I'm Sue's husband, they are married, and so you get this wide distribution of representation of Bill and Sue being married, which is the causally potent, uh, uh, this distribution itself is a causally potent phenomena uh, which uh, 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 as social agent, we summarize indeed by saying they are married. Again, we, but we should not so summarize when we're doing science because uh, this puts us uh, on the wrong track to understanding the causal processes involved. So what I've been trying to do in the second part of the talk is, is suggest a few uh, conceptual tools uh, uh, to, 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 to uh, uh, get the uh, ontology of social facts right. Uh, I've introduced the notion of cognitive causal chains, drawing on the resources of co cognitive science, pointed out that they are not li limited to psychological phenomena. They, just as they, they involve not just what happens in mind, but also what's happening in the environment, which can be often more, more important than what happens in, mi in mind, especially when you're dealing with uh, a cognitive uh, causal chains that extend across individuals, what I've called social cognitive causal chains. I've pointed out that among these social cognitive causal chains, there are some which play a crucial role because they stabilize uh, 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 practices, beliefs, artifacts, and so on, culture, if you want, uh, uh, cultural cognitive causal chains, and I've suggested that institutions are complex uh, 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 cultural cognitive causal chains. Um, so I want to claim, and no time to, to develop the claim in, in detail, but this is the direction I, 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 I would argue uh, when has to go, and I hope that I've at least suggested to you how this can be done. I want to claim that something is social. I want to redefine the social and the cultural. I want to argue that something is social to the extent. So things are more on this, you are more or less social. It's not that something is social or something isn't social. Things are more or less social to the extent uh, that, the, uh, that their properties are explained by their being embedded in a social cognitive causal change. So the, the, the uh, uh, there are things which are, you might want to say, you know, purely social, like a, 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 an evening lecture at, at the LSC, and things which may, maybe are less social, like a forest. But a forest has all many of its properties to the cognitive causal chain of the people who've managed the forest, have planted the tree, cut trees, and so on and so on. So, so that the forest is, to some extent, like a, anything in the human environment, uh, is in fact, to some important extent, social. Uh, le less so than purely social or semi seemingly purely social events, like an evening lecture. In the same way, I want to say that something is cultural to the extent that the prop its properties are explained by its being embedded in a cultural cognitive causal change. So, so of course, some events like the transmission, uh, you know, the telling of a folktale, are you know, kind of pure cultural events. But, uh, and you might think, on the other hand, that there are other events uh, in people's minds, in people's interaction, which are just, they're not, they're not part of culture. One standard view that you find in lots of models of culture, if you have, you have culture, which are the things which are transmitted and copied again uh, uh, from generation to generation, or at least across population. And then the rest of what people do, or what happens in their mind, are other kind of things which take place in the environment of culture, but which are not themselves cultural. I want to argue that everything that humans do, or not, not necessarily all the social animals, which have little or nothing by way of culture, everything that humans do has a certain degree of culturality. Every, our dreams would be different in a different kind of cultural context. In a way, they are the most you know, individual kind of event that take place, but they owe a number of their properties by being embedded in, 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 in cultural causal chains, and to that extent, they're cultural. 
so things, and, and the argument which would take time and be interesting to do is that, there's, that, that with these defi definitions of the social and of the cultural, you capture all and only what you want to, uh, to, to understand as being social and cultural. That's uh, uh, you know, basics of, of, of social uh, ontology. Well, the question, again, you want, from a scientific point of view, it's, it's, your, your, your problem is not just to get something that's concept, or not, not even at all, the problem of getting something that's conceptually pretty or you know, well-designed or whatever. It's, it's, you have an ontology for a purpose, for understanding the world, uh, and in particular for understanding, uh, for developing causal understanding of, of, of what takes place. And for this, it's crucial, and that's what's what motivated this whole argument to understand where causal powers really lie. Misdistribution of causal powers is a sure way to, to, to fail. So people's mental states and people's behavior, of course, have causal powers. That should be, is or should be uncontroversial. What makes these causal powers social is that they are causally linked across individuals. So behaviors, uh, are, have among the causes the behaviors and the mental state, not just of the individual who is behaving, but of other people who have affected the person's mental states and behavior. And in turn, can cause uh, uh, mental states and behavior in, in others. And social life is made of causal chains that are linking the mental states and the behavior of individuals. And again, I'm not, uh, uh, the, the point is not that, or, uh, it's not, I'm not at all, and I hope this is clear, arguing for a kind of psychological reductionist. Uh, the, the behavior, the, the environmental change are, are at least as much part of the social life as what's happening inside people's mind. What I'm trying to say is you cannot characterize the social without looking at the causal links which are internal to the individuals. It's, it's not that you can, you, 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 you sh there's no attempt or, 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 in fact, I would argue violently against the idea that you can do any form of psychological reductionism, but the notion that you can in an interesting manner characterize the social without taking into account the psychological seems to me preposterous. So a question one may ask, and if you followed me uh, so far, is, yeah, but you know, it's kind of weird. I mean, you're saying that there's some kind of basic fundamental flow in social ontology, both in the folk and in the scholarly. Why should there be? And you're saying that, you know, the flaw is to, uh, flaw is to attribute causal powers to, to Cam uh, mere Cambridge properties. Why, why that? I mean, you know, uh, uh, well, I think there's a deep reason for that. I mean, it's, uh, and I would just allude to it. Uh, what, what, you know, precisely be, because they are causally inert, uh, uh, Cambridge events and Cambridge properties pro provide stable focal points for social coordination. They are properties that don't move, they don't do anything. So the nice uh, uh, referring, uh, you know, reference point uh, for social coordination, I won't develop that uh, for, for, for a reason in time. So the conclusion. Uh, in, a, in one sentence, that institutional facts are brute facts, but let me uh, situate it a bit more, more generally. Even Searle uh, would say, of course, social facts are natural facts, because he thinks they are only natural facts. We, I think they are only natural facts. Lots of people think they are only natural facts. But, but he thinks that, well, you, you, you pay lip service to this kind of naturalist. You declare that consciousness is natural, that uh, institutional facts are natural, everything is natural, but then you allow yourself to have quite different class of, of causal facts, the connection among which is left widely mysterious. So, so, so we have you know, a good understanding of through the natural sciences, of a wide array of, 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 of natural facts. And, and, and 
my sense is we should be satisfied that uh, we are uh, developing a serious nat naturalization program or an integrated, if you prefer, understanding of, of, of phenomena, particular social phenomena, when either we can describe them in terms of these natural sciences or where the, 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 aspect, of the, the, the aspect of them that we cannot describe, we can present as intelligible problems uh, to neighboring social sciences. So in the case of, of the social sciences, if we can indeed reanalyze, reconceptualize the domain in terms of both ecological and psychological events, then we are talking to disciplines which are reasonably naturalistic and to which we can ask to describe in greater detail, to, to draw on the resources, to explain the causal powers uh, of mental uh, fa uh, fa mental ev events and properties and, and, and the causal powers of environmental events and properties in order to explain the, the, the power, the uh, causal power that we see in, in social pheno phenomena. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we have about half an hour now for questions. Uh, there's some two microphones circulating, one upstairs, one downstairs. So please make yourself known to me if you have a question. And um, yep, uh, maybe can you very briefly say um, who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Biskin Lee. I'm here doing a master's in philosophy and public policy, and. Um, so I have, I have two questions, or one statement sort of, and then a question. So I think that the, what, what Searle is differentiating between when he gets to, to brute facts and social facts is a brute fact is something that doesn't require language, because I think he tries to establish that language is the ultimate, so to speak, institutional fact in the way that you get all other institutional facts for free once you have language. So what he's trying to get at with brute facts is that there are events in the world that occur without our use of language to prescribe or, or make them descriptive. So a stampede, people get hurt regardless of whether we call it a stampede or marching or, you know, so on and so forth, right? And so then my question with, with that distinction is how do you create or, or reduce an institutional fact to a brute fact uh, using money, for example, as you said, one of the most famous examples, in the sense of, of there's such a variety of types of money used cross-culturally and that it seems to necessitate a recognition and a use of language. And if we dissected any piece of paper in any given country, we would not find anything inherent in the piece of paper that made it money. We, we wouldn't indeed. Uh, because what makes it money, on, on the view I'm defending, uh, is the, 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 the causal chain, so the social and particularly the cultural causal chains in which this piece of, uh, to, to which this piece of paper owes in a number of its properties. Uh, its location, the hands in which it is, what's on it, uh, and, 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 and these causal chains, you find the attitudes, the beliefs, and so on of the people who are going to use it. Uh, uh, so so, so there are no intrinsic property uh, of, of uh, if, if you take just one point in this social chain, the, 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 the piece of paper, the words being expressed, uh, being uttered by someone, uh, the, 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 the uh, ritual, uh, one gesture in the ritual, you, you, there's no way to understand it uh, uh, apart from precisely 
uh, to understand in a naturalistic manner, precise, precisely to understand that these properties, uh, it has all these further properties owes to its causal history, uh, to, its, to its being embedded in, in causal chains. As for the point, uh, you're quite right that indeed, especially in the, late, in the last versions of his views, uh, Searle so will make the distinction between institutional and brute fact in terms of the role of language. Uh, 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 language being a necessary condition but not a sufficient one by the way for something to be institutional uh, on this but uh, why should we so it's a, it's, of course it's an important distinction those things which need language and those things which don't need language so it's an important distinction those things which involve eating and those things which don't you know social events which involve eating and those that don't those which involve music and those that don't those that involve uh, sex and those that don't all of these are relevant and I, I have no problem saying the language one is particularly important still I don't Thing it creates a kind of an ontological divide, and, and saying that there is that you can make this distinction is not in itself an argument to say there is you know a fundamental ontological divide that is created by uh, you know the role of language in certain kind of social interactions. You're shaking your head vigorously. You want to have a brief comeback? I don't see how you could possibly get money without language. I'm not saying you could. Right, so then I'm, I guess I'm failing to see. How could you get money? Uh, distinction. How is it not sufficient? How is what not sufficient? Okay, so language is not. You couldn't get. You know, it would be very extraordinary to Im to imagine a kind of social system where people had something that we would recognize as money, and when this uh, uh, species would not communicate with something, you know, something of a conceptual richness similar to that of language. Yes. So. But what does the work for you then? Sorry? What does the work for you, then, if it's in a causal chain? What, I mean, what, what does the work if it's, then, if it's out there Look for, uh, between I've been trying to answer a bit, and I could restate the point, but let me turn, turn, turn it around. What, you know, how does language do the work? It's magic to say, ah, it is believed to be, uh, or it is declared to be money, and that has the power of making it so. The, the, try, the point I've been making is being declared to be something, being believed to be something, are typically causally inert properties. That's the, the, the challenge that, that you have to answer. So, 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 so what I'm trying to say is to begin with, uh, uh, when a number of times John Searle and others, it's, it's not magic. It's not enough to say that it's not magic for it not to be magic. They are aware, Searle is aware of the risk that it might be magic, and I don't think he has found a way to make it other than magic, besides stating that it's not. Okay, next question in the back. Hi, um, Marian Godman. I'm a PhD student in philosophy at King's. Um, I was wondering about, I'm very sympathetic to the whole project, uh, but I'm wondering a bit about the institutional layer that you added and I'm a bit confused basically because at the end you said institutional facts are just brute facts but in your exposition you were sort of implying that when this extra layer is added on something additional happens so I was just wondering what the naturalized move there is it just at a level of complexity 
Or is there something distinctive about accepting rules or...? No, so we, we insist that it's a good question. Uh, we, the first, the rules uh, on this view, uh, that's why this is a stupid animation of a rule getting into personal life. Well, rules don't hover above societies or norms. What you have are representation of rules. We don't need to have rules in ontology or norms in ontology. All we need is representations, normative representations, representation of rules. They, are, they do all the work. We don't have to assume that over and above that there are actual uh, such things playing a causal role uh, in, in, in the social world. And what I was suggesting is that you can get a certain kind uh, of uh, patterning uh, of uh, 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 these representation, normative representation, uh, such that in fact what you typically get is a self-propelling, self-moving uh, system of, of practices which have in themselves something that plays a causal role in them being reproduced because the, 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 the program for self-reproduction is part uh, of the system. That's kind of overstating the case. It makes it even sound too much like something biological. I don't mean it that strongly, but there, there is uh, something of a sort. These things are more on this view, again, just as I, I argue that things are more or less social and more or less, it's an extent matter, cultural, I would say things are more or less institutional. And again, I didn't mean to suggest that there was a great divide between institution and other kind of fact. In fact, there's just one kind of brute fact among others. I just wanted to uh, 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 address uh, the intuition, which we also have as, again, social agents, and which is so present in the social sciences, that you can uh, divide, you, you can sort uh, social fact in those which are institutional and, and those which are not. In fact, the sort, I took easy example, lots of the, limiting case where it's not clear where it would fall. When you can do it easily, I think it's because you get this kind of higher order representation of how the lower order representation or practices or artifacts should be distributed. Can I yeah. just ask a follow-up? Do you think institutional, at that level that it says something about human evolution um, and a distinctness about human behavior? It, it, it involves a kind of, 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 of uh, representational complexity, higher order representation that is definitely typ typical of, of, of human uh, cognition, meta-representational abil abilities, normative uh, representations, uh, of which it's unclear that they, they exist in, in any other species. So, so yes, yeah, there's a kind of complexity to human social and cultural life that we want to explain, among other things, by, by, by evolved abilities. I think it's, this is based on evolved, biological evolved abilities. Yeah. Yes, uh, thank you. My name is Yvonne Deschnois. I'm doing a master in social anthropology here. Um, I think you've answered more or less, but my question was to the difference between social CCCs and cultural CCCs. Mm. And is that a discrete differentiation or is that a matter of degree? Yeah. And also, don't you think that taking only um, beliefs about what the lower order should be is reducing culture to normative beliefs and that things about how things are are also relevant. So first, thank you for your, your first question. Yeah, but first, you know, cultural uh, cognitive causal chains are a type of social, and in fact, indeed, it's a matter of degree because you know, it's to the extent that they stabilize uh, practices, artifacts, and representation. To that extent, they're cultural, and they can, you know, so they can do that to, to, to create. Uh, so if you think of rumors, uh, the, the content they stabilize is not very stable. It tends to change rapidly, and it doesn't stabilize for long. They're still the cultural phenomena, but less clearly uh, cultural, say, than the tradition, which stabilize a fairly stable content typically for, for generations. Uh, so for your second question, uh, uh, 
I know I don't. I, if I do give that impression, I'm sorry I do because I certainly don't want to 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 uh, uh, to put the normative, uh, give it kind of uh, uh, a dominant place in the picture. At the same time, and this goes back to the question that was asked before, uh, uh, the role of uh, norms, uh, uh, which are themselves being culturally transmitted. Uh, in social uh, organization practice and so on is quite crucial. So that's a you know, very strongly distinctive trait. But uh, indeed, I mean, the, the people, the, the representation of how things are rather than how they should be uh, uh, can be as cultural and have uh, you know, a major important um, uh, causal role. Yes. Um, Max Omar from Queen Mary. University of London. I uh, just have two questions. Uh, first, is I'm sympathetic as well um, to the possibility of a naturalism that isn't reductionist. But uh, just a naive question, which is um, why aren't uh, the concepts that you're using in your naturalism not folk concepts, so causation, causal chains, causal powers? And if they are, then um, uh, it, does your naturalism depend on being independent somehow of the folk? If no, so, it would be problematic. Look, look, first, I mean, I have no hostility to folk concept. And, and, and mm -hmm. The thing is, it's neither, I think when you're developing a scientific approach, you're neither trying to avoid uh, uh, being folk nor, nor seeking to be folk. Uh, uh, in fact, there are some advantages when you have you know, concepts which are close enough to folk concepts. What you, you're trying to develop is easier to understand and to share. Yes. So that's a good thing. Um, but still, it's not going to decide what the, you know, the, 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 uh, an optimal kind of conceptual framework for, for de developing a, a, a scientific approach. So maybe we could call it a kind of folksy naturalism then, perhaps. Where you start, you know, our understanding of causation, and so they, they tend to be quite a bit away from you know, the folk understanding of causation. I co-edited a book on causal cognition many years ago, and the spontaneous understanding of causation, which is crucial actually to, to, to human life and our capacity to intervene and to, 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 to bring about changes. Is quite different from the kind of causal understanding, that, or I should say, causal understandings that you find in the sciences. In some way, the very notion of, of causation is being questioned and its relevance being questioned. And others, like epidemiology, for instance, where it's quite central to, to you know, epidemiology is, is a discipline, medical epidemiology, where reflection of causality goes quite deep. Yes, I guess I'd be worried about a naturalism that tried to make itself completely independent. By the way, just one, if I may, just one word about reduction. I'm, I, I love, when, when you can do a reduction, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm not, and the notion that reduction is a bad word and one should avoid it is very far from me. All I'm saying is, just like medical epidemiology doesn't reduce to individual pathology, because precisely it's an ecological kind of discipline which takes pathology in its environment. If you see a cultural phenomenon as uh, being part of a kind of... Uh, 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 epidemiology of representation practices and so on, then they're not going to reduce, uh, for, for similar reasons, to the psychological, because they, they, are, they are composites. But at the same time, what you do, so you can't get a, a theoretical reduction uh, of this uh, social science theory to, 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 say, psychology. On the other hand, what you do get, in a sense, is an is a ontological reduction. See, there is no extra level of reality over and above the natural, so that's a kind of nationalistic approach. Am I allowed the second question very quickly? Yeah, quickly. Um, it's just, it's just a, is there another uh, uh, argument to make against the very idea of a folk social ontology? In other words, when one thinks about um, ontology, it 
might be that one is associating that with making claims about what exists. And the folk, to, 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 to refer to the very notion of a folk social ontology is a kind of oxymoron. The folk don't make claims about what exists. Well, you know, if, you're, if you were a social scientist, you, you, the, the use of folk ontology is a very common one. So part of things we try to describe as anthropologists is folk uh, biology, uh, folk sociology, folk psychology, which involve ontological uh, things which, of course, people don't make as claims, but because they are just imp implicit in the way they understand uh, reality. So as social agents, uh, we, we have a rich social ontology. And by the way, an argument can be made, which goes only so far, but it's not that well. Since we are f relatively successful in our social life, I mean, we, you know, we, uh, we don't go making one blunder after another, we're uh, uh, we, we competent social agents, ontology can't be that wrong. You know, just, uh, Okay, then that's the terminological point. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I refer to the construction of social reality of John Searle. Um, and um, so I understand that you develop uh, uh, a study of social reality uh, that uh, implies an, not, not just the philosophy of mind, but also a sense that you uh, retrieve some uh, behavioristic um, understanding of it. Mm. And I find very interesting because a focus uh, just on the philosophy of mind uh, to me seems uh, reductivist. Um, for example, uh, when you talk about uh, institutional uh, reality as a fact, uh, institutional reality is uh, it, it is indeed the construction of social reality from, uh, from the point of view of John Searle. So uh, I. I, I haven't understand this point. Uh, for you, institutional reality is, is part of the, uh, is, is an external fact or is something that should be explored inside in social science, like uh, some in more de developmental uh, view? It's clearly, but you know, very much uh, central to, to the social sciences. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've kind of restated uh, John Searle's approach. Uh, and I've been trying to, to, to uh, instill some doubt uh, about his ability uh, uh, to uh, characterize uh, social facts uh, uh, in a way that is uh, conceptually sound. Uh, uh, his ability to, to assert uh, confidently that there is no magic in, in his account. Uh, the, the, uh, the notion that you know, we all agree uh, that uh, social facts, uh, in particular institutional facts, are very much part of what we have to describe, and many aspects of the social description are absolutely correct. Uh, I'm attacking the ontology. Okay, um, Thank gentleman here in the front with the striped pullover. Yeah, just waiting for the microphone. Then we have the queue. Then it's you, and then upstairs. Thank you uh, for a provoking talk. Uh, my name is Alex Gillespie in the Social Psychology Institute. I did find it provoking. I, I find the critique of the sociological level of social facts definitely provoking. And I'm not sure whether I agree with you. I think there's some benefits in, in your point of view that uh, from a social psychological angle, 
you avoid any separation between the social and the individual, and we have all sorts of trouble getting them linking up, but in your model there's no problem, because it's moving from social to individual. But I want to perhaps challenge you the other way around, and say, what defends you from your own argument from the bottom? So why don't, don't you say, well, it's just causal chains of atoms, molecules, energy? How do you defend yourself from the bottom? Thank you for the question, because it will help me, I hope, uh, clarify an important point. So if you look at, at the relationship among disciplines, uh, uh, um, there are two, two uh, um, ways, among others, in which, which, are, in which they relate and which are relevant to, to, to your question. Uh, you may have difference of level, which can, can be seen as ontological level or level of description. Let me give you a simple example. Think of a relationship between neurology and psychology. If you look at, you can do a neurological description of the brain, you can do a psychological description of the mind, and a lot of work, fantastic work has been done, such that we know which uh, um, brain phenomena are the realizers uh, of mental phenomena. But the two, they are really two quite different vocabulary they use. You know, one describes neuron brain tissues, the other describes uh, content and formal relationship among them, and so on. So the, the two are some would argue two ontological different levels, different you know, levels of reality, but at least uh, 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 two, two, two uh, uh, quite importantly different levels of, uh, of description. And whether there will be a, uh, you know, a future of reduction of the one to the other or not is contentious. At present, we don't have a reduction of the psychological to the neurological, whether it's possible or not. Let, let me f finish the point. Compare that, so that's a difference of le levels. Uh, 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 Compared to, to a difference of scale, where you can look at things at different scales, but you're looking at the same thing. So think of medical epidemiology. You, you can look at a, a virus uh, of a common cold you know, under a microscope, and you can move to a population virus in a, you know, inside your nose or whatever, in, in, in a larger organism. Uh, that, that is, uh, and the cells first, which it has invaded. You can look at the whole organism and its behavior. You can look at it in its environment, <coughs> in its interaction with other organisms, how the virus gets transmitted. So you're looking at the common cold. For that, you can zoom in down to the level of the virus and out to the level of population on, on the scale of the planet, if you want, in the transmission. So, and you're always looking at, the, there's no point where suddenly it's a different kind of thing. You're looking at the same phenomena at different scales. And all le scales at which you get added intelligibility by looking at the scales are worth developing. So the epidemiological, the pathological, and, and, and different levels. So if you do the zoom test, with the uh, psychology and, and neurology. So you look at, uh, at uh, a neuron, and then you can look at an assembly of neurons, and you can look at the whole brain. At no point what you see is a mental state. You can be looking at realizers of mental state, but all you see is brain tissues, basically. Uh, so so the, the point I'm to, uh, to, to, it's a long-winded uh, answer, but I hope it's relevant. Uh, the, the point is this. I'm, with, with the epidemiological approach to cultural phenomena, I say we have difference of scale. Uh, uh, b b between the, the, the uh, uh, in, in psychology and behavior and all the kind of things that occur in, in this low-level uh, 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 causal chains up to the population-scale phenomena of societies and culture seen in a historical perspective. Only difference of scale, no difference of level, no ontological, you know, social ontological level. So uh, precisely once I make this kind of distinction, 
I don't have to say you have to, you, you can or you should go all the way, all, all the way down to, 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 to physical particles. There is no way. We do have difference of levels, at least of description, possibly ontological levels, where, as I just said, where we move to the psychological, to the neurological, uh, and, and, and further down. So, so here is a set of phenomena which I say are part of the same reality. We, we, we approach it from very different uh, dis disciplines and tools, but we're looking at the same thing, not just as realized, at the same thing. Throughout. And, and, and this is why I can maintain my argument without committing myself to saying, oh, we should you know, to, to talk about uh, 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 just about atoms. And also, the other point is, I'm not saying, oh, then we should all you know, go to the lowest possible level. No, precisely, the point about different scales, it's useful to look at different scales simultaneously. In fact, it's indispensable. Aude Michelet, I'm a student in anthropology at the LSE. Um, I was really interested by this way of looking at institutional facts as being peculiar to the extent that they have a rule or something that prescribes how they should be produced or reproduced. So as an anthropologist, I was imagining, okay, so now I've got the recipe. I can go in the field and I'm going to be able to see what is institutional or the degree of institutionality by looking at what is this meta-representation that dictates how to reproduce it. And I was wondering whether it was actually really part of the representation or part of the observer, part of difference, uh, motivation to imitate, or but they would, like the kind of institutional parameter to the representation is not actually part of the representation, but part of the people who process this representation has something that they should reproduce. It's very much part of the people. I mean, again, the, you have to look at what has causal power. So the representation in the abstract, the norm, the rule has no causal power. What has causal power is the mental and public representations of the rule, of the norm, in people's heads, so that, and in their speech. And sometimes they express it, they convey it by their actions. So, so, so it's, again, it's not that, oh, you have some kind of norm which then dictates how institutional facts uh, um, are brought about. The norms is just like any other epidemiological phenomena, something that, 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 that is distributed through these uh, causal chains. And this, the causal chain that distributes the norm is causally linked uh, to, to other to, to causal chains that distributed the things the norms are about. So that's the way uh, I, I think one ought to, uh, to approach that. Thank you for your question. Okay. Last question. Oh, thanks. Um, I came to the other lecture, and that's why I feel entitled to ask a really stupid question. Can we possibly go back to slide 81? Uh, I don't know if we can. Uh, it's probably, I think, the thing is off. But okay. Is it possible that it was the concluding slide? And the first bullet point, bullet point said that mental states and behavior has, have causal powers. Is it possible? That mental states and, and, and behavior have causal powers. Yes, okay. it's possible. Yes, it's true. They do have causal powers. Yes. No, no, I mean, yeah. so that was yeah, yeah. the first bullet point of the conclusion. Okay, I try to understand who you are arguing against. Um, I can just about see that there are people who make the argument that mental states don't have causal power. I, I can imagine that. I don't think I would take them as seriously as you do, but I don't, I don't. that's fine. But are, are there people, like serious people like you, who would say that behavior doesn't have causal power? Uh, and if so, who are they? 
So, so, so I'm, I'm really interested. No, no, I, understand, I understand your question, but, but it's, uh, you, you look at it from the wrong perspective. I was making this point as a, as a trivially true point. I was not assuming that there would be any respectable opposition or people would say deny that mental states uh, are in, or events or that behavior have causal power. What I was trying, it was part of an argument to say the causal powers of mental events and, 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 and behaviors, when they are causally linked across a population, is all you need. You don't need anything else to develop an ontology of social phenomena. That's, that was the argument. So here we have indeed these causal powers which are trivially present. We know they're there, and it, you have to be very aware to deny that they're not. Uh, uh, and they provide us, once we understand how they, are cause, they can be causally linked in the social cognitive causal chains, then they provide us with all the causal uh, 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 powers that we need to describe uh, social and cultural phenomena. So that was the point of making this. This was just a, rem a reminder. I was not arguing for that. It's obvious. So what, what do be. your opponents argue then? So what, do what, what do your opponents say then? What do my open opponents say? Yeah, uh, against whom uh, you make this claim? No, you, well, you get well. You know, to go back to a point I was making in the earlier question. So, a number, a, a very common view, for instance, is that there are uh, that, that the, the social level of description is indeed a different level from psychological or ecological. So, there, there are social facts, social regularities, and so on, which are not composed of, which are not made of. Uh, 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 behavior and mental, mental phenomena, they are sui generis. They are, they are, uh, like Durkheim. Sorry? Like Durkheim. Durkheim is indeed a, a good example and it's been followed by, and especially the way it's been understood, uh, uh, it's a very common view in the social sciences. There are other people who are more, to whom I feel closer, but I still disagree with, uh, um, who think that those mental facts and, uh, which are important are you know, decisions, basically, beliefs and decisions, kind of personal level uh, mental phenomena, and, and those type of behavior that are important are actions, things which are governed by... Inter so they, they, I think that there are stories way too streamlined. There are a number of processes that take place inside us, but not at the personal level, of which we're not aware and so on, uh, play a huge causal role. So the kind of division between the personal and the subpersonal, which you find again in, in methodological individualism, uh, is, I, I believe, inappropriate. So I have a, a milder disagreement, but still a disagreement agreement with these people. And so I have a disagreement. Just the last yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, obviously. The very last one. Um, so your, your claim then is not really that they have causal power. It is more the question of what they are and what their relationship is to that social level, the behaviors and the mental state. So uh, I'm trying to... Uh, uh, develop a, a scientifically useful ontology of the social in terms of uh, uh, elements. Mental uh, states and behavior. behavior of okay. which we have a reasonably good naturalistic understanding. Okay, what I got it. These are not mysterious from that point. Thanks. Please. Well, I guess that's a good point to bring the evening to a close. So let's thank again, Amdanj Perda, for a wonderful lecture. <laughs>